A lot of New York East Coasters know um, the Hess truck commercials. That Hess is a gas company or like a truck company. And they put out these Christmas like toy trucks. And I did a lot of toy commercials because I was a child. Um, And there was one that I did that um, went, the Hess truck's back and it's better than ever for Christmas this year. The Hess truck's here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I did that when I was, I think about like 10 or 11. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations. Your joys and creative spurs. Your femininity. Your success. All in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hello, hello, and welcome to Girl Skill Podcast, where twice a week we are having an interesting discussion with an amazing woman about her life story, her version of success, and her femininity. And today is no different because we are talking to Andy Arono, a girl, a true Brooklyn girl born and raised in New York City, who is working in the music business. Uh, so before I tell you about our interview, let me just... Uh, ask you actually for a favor i'm always looking and on the lookout for interesting women with incredible stories so if you are a woman like uh, like that uh, you have something really cool to share and you feel like somebody can learn from your journey or if you know someone who is going through something or actually who is working in interesting professions like i'm always on lookout for you know surfer girls and painters and women who work with their hands or you know pilots astronauts whatever um, uh, so if you know someone or if you are a woman like that, uh, please let me know. So you can always send us an email at Anna, A-N-N-A at girlskill.com. And uh, you can tell us your story and we'll see if we can tell it on the podcast. All right. So let's get to the podcast today. We talked to, as I mentioned, uh, Andy Arano, And she is the one who started the movement Women That Rock. Currently, she's on Instagram. But she's basically <laughs> involved in the music business. And since she was a little girl, she was doing uh, different jingles as a child um, she also sings a jingle for us <laughs> on the podcast and uh, how basically she got into the world of music um, you know going to the rock school then transferring and then working in the business in, in the music business industry until now currently she does A&R which is um, I forgot what it is but it's basically a recruitment of new artists she's gone for, to shows and recruiting new musicians and artists for recording studios she also manages the sound supervision for TV commercials and is, is managing different artists and being kind of their freelance manager for marketing, branding and all of that stuff. So really, really interesting story. Uh, we also talk about bisexuality because uh, she's uh, bisexual herself and it's a bit sensitive <laughs> and she got really vulnerable with us by sharing with me actually um, her whole whole journey uh, with that as well. And so we're going to find out all the ins and outs of her job of finding new artists and music talent and basically c- connecting uh, you know projects with artists um, um, ma- mainly in New York City. So stay until the end to find out also the t- top apps and resources to stay productive and also a resource on Kambala something that I have never heard about apparently it's like a spiritual way of being a living promoted by Madonna in the 2000s <laughs> so I was like oh okay that's cool so uh, yeah stay tuned until the end to find that out and enjoy this episode girl skill female success redefined all right so today on the girl skill podcast we have Andy 
I hope I pronounced that right. Hi, Angie. How yes, are you? Yes, you did. Hi. <laughs> Good. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I mean, I, I'm extremely excited about this episode because I think you are one of the one of the special women on this show who where we're going to talk about obviously your life journey but also your experience in the music industry how fun yeah. is that yeah so <laughs> before we get into all of that um let's get into our blitz questions um, yes part. so excited yeah okay let's go so andy what are you grateful for what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for the sun that comes up every day. Um, I'm grateful for music. So mm. tremendously grateful for music. Um, and I'm grateful to be in the position to be able to travel and have experiences and see the world and kind of open my eyes to as many things as I possibly can. Cool. That's a good... That that's a good list to be grateful for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What is your superpower? What is my superpower? My superpower is connecting people, knowing how to connect people with the right other people to help them get where they need to be. Love it. Cool. Name one thing that you can't live without. The first thing I think of is chocolate. <laughs> Hey, that's fair enough. Fair enough. No need to be guilty about that. Love it. Chocolate. Cool. Uh, what's the hardest part about being a woman? The hardest part about being a woman, I think, are periods. Frankly, I think uh, I getting agree. a period and and dealing with what that means as far as pain and struggle and uh, the mood so you know, all of the things that make you sort of feel outside of your outside of control out of control mm. cool okay yeah that that's a good one and what is your what is the best part about being a woman the best part about being a woman um i mean i guess i i love having a female body i love being curvy i love having long hair i love sort of embodying a feminine physical existence and the way that that makes me feel in the world and the way that makes me feel with my partners um, and even the way that makes me feel in business and work, I find people tend to be gentler and kinder and softer with me um, because I'm a woman um, than I think that they would be if I was a man. Love it. Love it. If you had a tattoo or if you had a next tattoo, or what would, uh -huh. be, what would be your next tattoo and where? Well, so I actually am planning my third tattoo. I have two very small tattoos. And I'm planning my third tattoo, um, which is a quote that my dad has raised me um, believing and thinking. It's something he's told me over and over as I've grown up, which is the only person you can change is yourself, which I think is the most powerful quote ever in the world. And I live by that every single day. Um, where, I'm not sure, um, but I, I want to get it in his handwriting. Mm, that's mm -hmm. really cool love that okay <laughs> awesome uh who is your girl crush my girl crush oh michelle obama Ooh, she's my girl cr crush too <laughs> i think she's everybody's girl crush i know right <laughs> <laughs> love her awesome and last one from this section is what would be the title of your autobiography um sing like nobody's listening Love that. 
And that's a perfect ending to this first part about ending. <laughs> and now, Andy, please tell us um, who you are, introduce yourself, tell us what are you working on and all the cool stuff that you're doing. Sure. My name is Andy Aronow. Um, I am a native New York City girl, born and raised here. Um, I live now in Brooklyn. I'm 29. I work in the music space. So I have a number of, of jobs and career endeavors at the moment in the music space. Um, I manage music supervision for a TV commercial production company called PB&J Partners. So I really manage all of the music production, original uh, music composition, and, and client relations related to TV commercials and music, um, which is really a fun exciting thing to be a part of, to have sort of a, a spot for TV and come up with what the sound and what the vibe should be from a music perspective. Um, so that's job one. <laughs> job two <laughs> is um, I do A&R for a recording studio in Manhattan called Headroom. So, um, so I'm responsible. A&R? A&R is, is sort of an industry term. Um, it means artist and repertoire. So, but what it really means, you know, to the lay person is um, scouting artists finding talent. So I'm responsible for going out into the world and tapping into my connections and going to shows and meeting new artists and finding and developing talent and then bringing them into the recording studio to record with us. Um, and, and with that project, I also get to do some creative executive production. So when I bring an artist into the studio and we record, I get to sit in on the sessions and kind of help craft the sound, um, which is really exciting for me. I've never been someone who really wanted to do the engineering exactly like do you know run the board in a recording studio but i my background is as a singer and as a musician so i understand the lingo i understand the sounds i understand how to communicate with both the artist and the engineer and i think i i'm able to bridge a really nice gap um and and create a sound without necessarily being the one finagling the buttons Cool. That's your job number two. What else? So that's job doing? number two. <laughs> um, that job has led me into the space of doing freelance artist creative services. So as I meet artists, as I go out into the world and go to shows, I meet artists who are interested in having me work with them um, beyond just bringing them into the recording studio. So some artists who need help with management, some artists need help with branding and promotions and management and marketing and social media, really any, anything that they could possibly need help with, I'm able to provide those services on sort of a freelance basis. So I have artists that come to me and maybe you're just starting out and need help with booking shows and figuring out how they're going to record their first album. Or it's, you know, an artist that already has released two albums and they're looking to do a national tour and release a new EP and they want my help with brand strategy. So I'm able to help on a freelance basis because of my background and my experience. Um, with artists who maybe don't need or want a day-to-day -day manager, like someone who kind of man micromanages everything that they're doing, um, but needs someone sort of a little more top level to help them with strategy and implementing things and kind of developing their careers. And that actually has led me to job number four. Yeah. Um, this girl is on fire. You're a true Brooklyn girl <laughs> hustling. Hustle. <laughs> In the spirit yes. of New York. <laughs> yep, exactly. Tell, exactly. Yeah, tell us about um, it. So I recently um, launched a site that currently lives on Instagram, um, and it's called Women That Rock. And it's a site that's dedicated to supporting and promoting and lifting up talented up-and-coming females in the music space. So 
every day I'm posting a, it's kind of a very highly curated, um, list of women in all genres, all different kinds of bands, all ages, all locations who are doing interesting, exciting, great things in music. Um, and it's really a vehicle for helping to promote them and create and cultivate really a community. Um, I think the music industry has a reputation for being pretty rough and competitive and money driven. Um, and I think we're in a moment right now, politically and socially and culturally where women are really banding together, um, and wanting to help one another and what better way than through music really. So women that rock is sort of my way of creating a space for women to connect with one another and support one another, um, and listen to great music throughout that process. So that's something that I started about a month ago. It's really still in its infancy. Um, that's how we actually connected because you messaged us through Instagram and I'm like, Who that is that girl. And then, yeah, well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> that's, much. That's I'm exactly so the, the mission of uh, my mission here to, to get these stories out. And, uh, you know, to talk to a lot of women who are doing cool things like you. Okay, cool. Wow, Andy, this is this is a lot. I mean, this is like, well, I'm overwhelmed. First of all, I think because I know nothing about the music industry. To me, that oh. industry sounds really, really far away, kind of glamorous, but also, and, you know, these are the stereotypes that I have in my head. You know, it's all like about, uh, relate. well, not all, but it's related to drugs and, uh, <laughs> you know, thing, things that I can think of is like, <laughs> you know, Amy, Amy, why what is it? Oh, gosh. Amy Winehouse. Amy um, and then Lady Gaga. And um, I don't know, just like rock and roll. My partner, my husband, he loves rock and I can't, I just can't listen to it. But he he loves the hard rock. Um, Interesting. So coming from the perspective of me not being a fan of rock in general, but being really interested and curious about music and the music industry, I kind of play guitar a little bit. But I've never, oh. I've never seen that side of of things being done so i'm i'm super i'm coming here as a complete newbie which i think a lot of our listeners are <laughs> mm -hmm. and so what absolutely I, what i want to talk to you about is first of all your journey of mm -hmm. how you got there and second of all i think it's really interesting to talk about the behind the scenes of what you're doing uh you know the music industry in general uh things that you're doing on a daily basis and music and you know women that rock basically and uh but before we go there andy something that i ask all women on the show um please tell me do you consider yourself successful and why hell yeah <laughs> um <laughs> That's the New York oh, yeah, City attitude, baby. I love it. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's interesting. I thought a lot about this question. Um, and I think a lot about this question um, all the time. And, and I really think that success is something that evolves. So everyone can be successful in, in all kinds of ways, um, no matter sort of where they are in their career. I think, you know, I consider myself successful for a whole list of things that, that I've done, that I'm doing. But of course, you know, it, it sort of is this feeling of never enough, right? So, so there's always something like an, another level to reach, another place to get to, another achievement to sort of check off the list. Um, but I, I think it's important to sort of celebrate the small wins, celebrate wherever you are and, and whatever it took to get there. So, I mean, I felt successful when I got into my dream college. I felt successful when I um, you know, saying my last commercial jingle, I, I feel successful. I felt successful when I hit a thousand followers for women that rock on Instagram. I mean, there's always sort of mm -hmm. 
um, benchmarks you hit and, and ways to feel successful within wherever you are. Okay. That's, that's a pretty good answer. I understand it. Awesome. Cool. All right. So another question is, uh, what is femininity for you? What is feminine? Um, femininity. So, you know, in some ways I feel like femininity is a construct, right? Something we're sort of taught culturally. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in, in lots of ways has very little to do with being female as a, as a gender. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. Um, and, and to me, I guess femininity is strength, really. Femininity is strength, but, but with kind of a gentle nurturing aspect to it, if that makes sense. So, you know, the way that I think about femininity is strength without, um, without the need to use unnecessary aggression to achieve things. Um, I'm, I'm a Taurus actually. So I, <laughs> I also kind of identify with like a fairly nurturing grounded sensibility. And I feel like that has a lot to do with my femininity. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very much a believer that women should rule the world, that women should, you know, be the, the majority in politics, the majority in, in, in terms of, you know, business owners and, and money holders and success, because I think that women tend, you know, to talk more than they fight. I think women tend to think with their hearts and think about what's just and fair, um, more than they think about money and, you know, climbing ladders. Um, and I think a lot of that is rooted in our femininity and our, our tendency to nurture and our body's capability to create new life. Mm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love that description and, and obviously, you know, every woman has, has their own, kind of definition that's why this show exists uh, but I love I love in the way you put it um, and I feel it's a bit, it's it's kind of refreshing for me to hear from a you know true New Yorker uh, New uh. York born city girl to have to have this kind of a dual well not dual but I guess balanced um, understanding and understanding the power of it because I feel like there's so many movements right now um, you know that that truly kind of celebrate female power but through the through the more of an aggressive side to it if that makes sense right and right. i personally i don't identify with um but i mean there are a lot of women who do and then i highly respect them and uh, accept their their opinion but it's just a different i guess uh, approach to this whole thing so um right. so one question that comes out of here is and and maybe this is connected i'm not sure so you identify yourself as bisexual um, yes i do so is that somehow connected to how you view femininity or, uh, well, I guess what I'm, I'm like, what am I trying to ask here? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the dynamics of, of bisexuality in general, because I mean, obviously all of us girls, well, most of us girls probably either had some experiences with other girls or, you know, <laughs> I myself had them when I was like a teenager or something like that. And I, and, and I'm still attracted to women, you know, there's, there's still this kind of women that I get attracted to. It doesn't mean like mm -hmm. I'm acting on it or whatever, but I mean, well, you never know, right? I'm married now. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you're yeah. a married woman. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you know, things happen in life in the sense that, right. you know, I, I don't sit there and then say, oh, you know, this is forever. This might as well be forever. And I'd like for it to be forever, but you never know. So I'm, right. I'm just interested in this whole thing of, uh, you know, why do you, do you choose that? How is it helping you? 
Well, obviously, I'm like, how is it helping you or hurting you? <laughs> but I think it's only helping you because this is a choice. Yeah, so t- tell us tell us a little bit about about that position, how, how you go well, through life I'm, with it. Sure. I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is I think that people's sexuality is not really a choice, right? I mean, being for me, being bisexual isn't a choice. It's mm. an ident- It's who I am. So, mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that I'm attracted to both women and men is just what happens for me. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so it's not, it's not really a lifestyle choice. It's not, you know, something I wake up in the morning and decide to do. It's just part of who I am. Um, the same way that my hair is naturally brown. (laughs) So, so I think the same way that people understand that, you know, the whole sort of gay born this way movement, I think a lot of people misunderstand and think that bisexuals choose to be bisexual. And that's, you know, not in fact the case. Um, I discovered that I was bi when I was about 19. Um, I'm 29 now. And since then I've had partners that are male. I've had partners that are female. I've had a number of long-term relationships with women. Um, and I mean, how has it helped me or hurt me? I think that there are a lot of I mean, I could, I could give a whole other podcast talk about (laughs) bisexual politics, (laughs) (laughs) about bisexual politics and what, and the experience of being a bisexual woman. I mean, I'm very fortunate to live in New York city, Mm -hmm. um, to live in an sort of an urban liberal place where my, uh, sexual identity is really like not very important or upfront in terms of the way that people treat me. Um, and I know, I, I understand that privilege. I understand how different it is in other parts of the country and, the, and other parts of the world. Um, but I will say that there, there are absolutely a lot of misinterpretations or misunderstanding around, um, being bisexual and quite a bit of intolerance, both uh, intolerance and, and prejudice from both the straight community and also the gay community. Um, I call being bisexual this feeling of sort of like a, an invisible existence. Because it's not really something you can see. When people see me with a woman, they assume that I'm a lesbian. When people mm-hmm. see me with a man, they assume that I'm straight. And neither one of those things is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of this life where um, it requires coming out constantly. It requires correcting people constantly. So, you know, it's it requires saying like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, I'm dating her, but I... I'm bi, I'm not gay. Or, oh yeah, I'm dating him, but I'm bi, I'm not straight. So that's something that is a bit of a challenge. Um, And of course, you know, general sort of uh, anti-gay stuff that happens occasionally. Again, I'm very lucky to live where I live and have very little of that that I experience. Um, You know, in work, I think that, and in business, I think in some ways the fact that I um, date women or, or when I'm in relationships with women, I think it's in some ways a, a professional advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm feminine and I identify as, as femme within the kind of bisexual landscape and gender identity landscape. So um, I have the advantage that men look at me like a, like a girl. And, and I say that with, with air quotes that you can't see right now, <laughs> but they look at me from the perspective of like long hair and wearing dresses and wearing makeup. And, and so they kind of treat me, treat me like a lady. But at the same time, when they know that I am dating women, they also treat me um, with, I think, a little more respect somehow. Like they treat me as less of a sexual object. 
mm-hmm. which is so interesting. Like and one, and of, I, one of the dudes in a way. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because I because I have both experiences. You know, right. I when I'm wearing a dress and my hair is long and I have you know makeup on, I'm treated very much as a lady, and you know, experience what that means in the world. Um, and sometimes I think you know when when men find out I'm with a woman, they they disqualify me. As, as a sexual object and so they treat me better <laughs> so it's complicated it's very complicated but yeah you know I try to just sort of be me and and um lead with my skills and my personality and my actions and my professionalism as opposed to um my sexuality yeah. okay well I mean and I wanted to say you know when, when when you started saying oh you know it's not a choice and I was like oh shit you know I should have <laughs> okay. because the thing is that and you know I want to I want to, and we talked about this in the beginning of the interview. It's like, I want to be careful with it because I myself, and you know, maybe when I, I was like, maybe when I asked this question, the listeners or you were like, ah, oh, you know, like, here it goes. Do you think it's a choice? You know? So I want to. But I think, I honestly think also that like, it's good for people to hear that because you didn't have any bad intentions and y- you know, you were using the language that you thought was correct. Right. I mean, a lot yeah, of I mean, people, I come- it's, it's yeah, I come from Eastern Europe, where yes. these kind, like to be honest with you, these kind of things are still, and and you, and you said it yourself. You're fortunate enough to live in New York City, and still you live in a country, America, that in certain parts of America this is still looked down upon or not understood or even like you know prohibited in some ways. And I come from Absolutely. Eastern Europe, where stuff like that doesn't really. I mean, it exists. But a lot of the places where, you know, I lived in or especially in Europe or Russia, this is really, really not, not okay. And, you know, right. throughout my journey, throughout my life, and the more I travel, I, I kind of, you know, I have, I have a best friend who's gay. And for me, this was like a huge journey to get there because I was raised mm-hmm. in a, I was raised in a post-Soviet communist society. <laughs> and right. so I'm kind of always ca- careful, but you're right. It depends on, on the intention. My intention was uh, just to, 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 to ask a question, to be curious about it. And I'm glad glad that you've you've taken this diplomatic route of, of explaining it to me you know because it's absolutely and that's yeah. the best I mean really we can everybody can only change and get better through education and exposure so mm-hmm. I think that's great but I yeah and I I want to I want to thank you for explaining it in such a way because now and you know you being vulnerable and kind of saying you know it, it is a challenge and it's I, I think it's fascinating I think it's like this whole, you know, gender and the sexuality and who are we attracted to? Because now that you're talking, I'm like, uh, but I've been attracted to women. You know, what does that right? mean? Like, am I, <laughs> what's going on? I think so many women out there that they're, they're questioning it constantly. And even yeah, now that and, I'm married. And, I'm <laughs> and had you not been raised in, you know, post-Soviet, you know, Eastern Europe, perhaps your life would be different. Yeah, right? yeah, I know, I know. But I guess... I guess it all comes to a point where, you know, are you comfortable w- with your own skin? Are you Exactly. You know, I'm I'm highly attracted to the masculine and and that also goes with which you know can be a woman can be very masculine, right? So right. we are attracted to these different energies which I think you understand really well. That's why you know you you are who you are uh but for me personally i'm just attracted more to a masculine body i guess <laughs> with a masculine <laughs> energy and so yeah but anyways they, yeah i don't want this interview to be about that but as you said we can <laughs> we can have three episodes in a row about bisexuality and like right, all of that right. stuff so i just wanted to kind of you know from the femininity question dive into the bisexuality thing so that's sure. great thanks for sharing that so of course um and you tell us about your journey 
journey. Ah, let's talk about music. Um, and, My journey with music. Yeah. Sure. So tell me, where did it start, and how did you get to where you are today, working, you know, with with like doing sound for commercials and music supervision and artists and and our recruiting and you know freelance right. for artists and women that rock. What led you here? Well, it could. It, it, I'm gonna try to make a very very long story, a lifelong story, like sort of a Cliff Notes version yeah. for you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I started singing liter- like literally from birth. My mom tells a story um, that I actually was singing in the hospital room when I was like humming when I was born. Um, so it really started at the very, very beginning. Um, but, but my career started when I was um, about seven or eight years old. I started um, singing professionally. Um, I started doing commercial jingles. So I sang, I had a whole career from the time I was seven or eight until pretty actively until I was about 18, um, singing jingles for commercials. So, so that's like, how I really got started. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So that's like when you were a child up until you were a teenager, these are the, the jingles that are put in TV commercials in the beginning or after or. Uh, exactly. Okay. Do you, can you, exactly. rem- do you remember one? Can you sing it for us? <laughs> that would be awesome knew, to hear. I knew that was coming. Do it. So was do a, it. A lot of New York East Coasters know um, the Hess truck commercials. That Hess is a gas company or like a truck company, and they put out these Christmas like toy trucks. And I did a lot of toy commercials because I was a child. Um, and there was one that I did that um, went. The Hess trucks back, and it's better than ever for Christmas this year. The Hess trucks here. <laughs> I love so, that. <laughs> I did that when I was, I think, about like ten or eleven. Oh, is um, it still playing? Not that one, but something's very similar. They do it literally every year. Um, wow. Okay. For the to, until the end of time, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So you so had this kind of childhood where you were in recording studios. Pre- I mean, how yes. often were you doing them? Off. I mean, you know. At even even younger, I was doing it more often. So eight, nine, ten to like thirteen, I was. I had an agent. I was going on auditions. I was booking jobs. I was in the studio. Well, um, you and it, mean, ta- it taught meaning me your mom or your parents. <laughs> well, <laughs> <that> time <laughs> they were usually there. Sometimes they would drop me off and leave. <laughs> but um, okay. But no, I mean, so I learned a lot about um, doing. You know, working at something you love and work ethic from a very young age. I mean. I had to be okay with being in the recording studio, sometimes 12, 14, 16 hour sessions um, at, you know, a, a very young age and, and not get whiny and not get, you know, cranky and sort of be a, be a professional. Um, so I think that that was like very um, influential for me in terms of like learning how to be an, be a good worker. Um, and I also did a ton of musical theater and acting and was always sort of back and forth between acting and singing. Um, and the long story short is I ended up in college in California, um, studying music business mm-hmm. at USC. Um, and I really hated that school. Oh, <laughs> so, is, that, is that one of the top school for artists? Yes, it is. Um, it just was not the right fit for me. Um, um was that a, the it's dream a very, college you said? No, the dream college actually oh. was, the, was where I transferred to. Okay. Um, and it, I transferred into a program that I didn't even know existed. Um, when I was in high school, it, cause it was, it was very new and it was, uh, it was around like 2006, 2005, 2006. So the music industry programs at colleges were not particularly popular yet. Um, so I didn't know that it was a thing, but there was this program, um, at NYU 
called the Clive Davis Department of Recorded Music. And it's a very small kind of um, BFA conservatory style program for kids who want to work in the music industry. So I discovered that program. Um, I applied to transfer at the time they were only accepting like three to five transfers a year um, into the program. And so I thought it was a long shot. I thought, in fact, that I was probably going to, you know, take a take a year off of school and figure it out. Um, and then I got into the program. So I oh, awesome. pick- <laughs> so I picked up all my things. I moved back across the country mm-hmm. and I started at Tish. Um, so let me, let me ask you a quick question. So you were singing all this time and, you know, you were doing commercials and all of that. So, so you basically, there are two choices from there, right? You could become a singer or go professionally as a singer or, you know, doing something with voice, or you could have chosen to do, to to be behind the scenes and actually managing the music business. So did you know, did you know that you want to, you want to be on the business side of things and how did you come to that? Right. Well, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to, I didn't really want to make my livelihood um, connect with my singing. So singing was something that, I mean, it was nice that I had been making money doing singing, um, but I didn't really want to live my life audition to audition, you know, stressing out that if I didn't book something, I wouldn't make rent. Like I didn't really want to make my, my livelihood contingent upon singing because singing is the thing that I love so much. And I didn't want to like pull the joy out of it, if you know what I mean. Is that, um, do you think, do you think that's because you kind of knew or thought that you could make money out of it? Or, I mean, I'm just trying to understand because there are people who really go for it. They love it so much that right. they get over that thing of, not get over, but you know what I mean? Like that doesn't stop them. But for some right. reason, for you, you were like, okay, no, not that. I'm going to go into the business well, side. <laughs> you know, I, st- I still sing. I still sing professionally sometimes. I find opportunities for that. Um, that so, so I still am pursuing it. I just pursue it more as um, an additional thing that makes me happy rather than uh, my, my sole livelihood. Mm-hmm. I also was, a, was very much like a strong student in school and really liked business and really liked doing well in school. And so I feel like working in, in the music industry is like my way of kind of pulling together all of the different things that I'm good at. So, you know, I, I wasn't just an artist. I wasn't one of those kids who like only wanted to be an artist. I also liked strategy and coming up with plans and I'm very organized and I always got straight A's and I was, I was sort of an overachiever kid. So you're still an overachiever, probably (laughs) still an overachiever kid. We all are. Right. So, you know, I, I'm, my solution is just to try to do it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So you got into this program, which, which is amazing. So I got into this back, program, to, back in New York. Um, mm-hmm. Which was incredible. I mean, the entire faculty at that department are, you know, Grammy award-winning producers and engineers and top, top-tier entertainment attorneys. Wow. Um, Lauren, da- Lauren Davis, um, who actually is Clive Davis's daughter, um, Clive S- sorry, I'm, I'm super ignorant where I'm just going to blame <laughs> it on my background, but I have no idea who is Clive Davis. Clive Davis is, is one of the most famous and, and well-regarded music producers really of all time, A&R, A&R people and music producers of all time. Okay. Um, he's now in his like mid nineties, I think. What has um, he done? So what has he produced? Um, I mean, he was responsible for discovering Alicia Keys. Ooh, okay. um, and, and many, many, many other artists, but he, his name, he basically was the founder of this program at Tish. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And he's not really particularly involved in the program, but he, he created it. And his daughter, Lauren, um, ended up being my, my mentor at the program. So I became very close with her. She got me some of my first jobs. I went to her Mm. for advice, um, and became really close with her and, and having that kind of access to professionals in the industry who were doing the kinds of things that I wanted to be doing and, and becoming so close with them was just an incredible, an incredible experience. So um, you actually, being, so you have an example of, 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 you know, going, because th- this is the thing with education. I feel like, you know, when you go for a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, and especially because, you know, at one point I was considering doing a master's in creative production, which was film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, oh, it's nice. funny that, that I say, yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking what to do about it. But I feel like you have a perfect example of going to a really good program. And that's what programs, these kind of programs do for you. The most important is actually getting the connections and the network that you wouldn't get if you'd started on your own. If you started on your own, you know, just working in the music business or the music industry, you'd get the experience. But I guess the the most important thing that you got from this program was, uh, you know, the connections and and all of that. So would you say for someone listening who's considering or who's at a school, um, would you say that it's, it's worth it and like... Obviously, it's the choice of the program that's most important, right? I mean, you know, I have, I have, um, I'm not one of those people who thinks that everybody needs college. Some people, I think, are better working, better, you know, pursuing things they want to pursue without necessarily spending four years or eight years or ten years getting degrees. Um, in my case, I used, I found this program that was particularly unique and particularly well located. I mean, it's in New York City. Um, which is one of the biggest, you know, music hubs in the world. And I really used the program to my fullest advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, taking as many courses, meeting as many people, taking as many internships and jobs. I was working full time while I was in the program. I was, you know, I was really maxing it out. Um, and I think, you know, for some people just hitting the ground running and, and working in their industry, in their, you know, preferred industry is the best way. For me, this school in particular was, you know, a very special place. So I think, you know, for anyone out there listening and thinking about, you know, their next steps, I think if you feel that the program you found is really going to help you get to where you want to be, um, absolutely pursue that, you know, and, and make, make the most of it. Because I think education is very much about making the most of, of your right. the resources in front of you. Yeah. You can go to college and learn nothing in four years, or you can go to college and, you know, <laughs> get hired for a job before you even finish, which is what I did. <laughs> yeah. So, cool. okay. So you were, you, you have now finished the program and uh, one, one quick question. When you say Tish, what does that mean? Yeah. Tish is the school, is the uh, school of the arts at NYU. So there it's NYU is the university Tish school of the arts. And then the school I was the school I was in within Tish was the Clive Davis department. Okay, got it. Cool. So what happened next? So I hit the ground running. I had been interning at a company called Touchtunes, um, which is a digital jukebox company um, with a huge network all around North America. Um, and I had been interning there before I graduated, and I essentially sort of finagled my way into a job. There was not really an opening for me, but but a woman. Um, much, much senior to me left the company, um, at sort of the perfect time for me in October, right before I was graduating in December. Um, and I basically convinced the company to give me the opportunity to do her job and try. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> even though she was, you know, she was someone who had had 10 years of experience. She was 34. She had been working in the industry for a long time. Um, but I basically said, you know, give me three months, hire me as a consultant. Let's give it a shot. I'll, you know, let me prove to you sort of that I can, that I can do it. Um, and I did. And then they hired me full time and I worked there for almost five years. Wow. What um, were you doing during the, those five years? I was doing music promotions and marketing. So I was essentially, um, managing about 120 music promotions a year, um, across the jukebox network, which meant essentially promoting artists, albums, and songs on the jukebox network. So driving plays of that specific music. And that is um, radio? No, it's, it's jukeboxes that are in bars and restaurants. Oh, I see. So they're like box, the actual boxes that exactly. are bars right. and restaurants. But they're all digital. So if you, if you go into a bar and you see like this glowing machine on the wall, it's probably a TouchTunes jukebox. Oh, um, okay. They're in like over 70,000 locations across America. Um, and so I was managing uh, music promotions on those jukeboxes. Okay. Um, all right. Which meant also working hand in hand with all of the major music labels, Sony, Warner, Universal, and EMI when it existed, which it no longer does. But um, working with with um, representatives at those companies and planning promotions and being on top of their release schedules and really doing a lot of client partner relations as well, which was amazing uh, learning for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And then from there, I... Um, I got the job at PB&J Partners. I, I sort of felt like I had learned what I could learn at TouchTunes and it was time to move on. I mean, it had been my first job out of college and I was there for four or five years. Um, and I ended up joining PB&J Partners and starting doing the music supervision work, um, which was right up my alley because of my experience with jingles. <laughs> so I had the combination of sort of client services experience, marketing and promotions experience, um, and also the experience with commercials and jingles and music for TV. So I was able to sort of um, meld all of those things together um, and and use them at my new job. And I've been at PB&J um, for a little over three years now. Um, and I've also and then the job at Headroom was sort of this uh, very happy surprise. Headroom is actually the recording studio where I got my start singing jingles when I was eight years old. Oh wow! And okay. I've stayed <laughs> yeah, and I've stayed in touch with the owner of that studio, and we've been close my whole life. I kind of consider him an uncle. Um, and, and when they needed someone to come in and do some A&R artist scouting for them, um, he thought of me um, and knew that I had been working in the industry for a long time and, and thought I'd be a good fit. So he brought me in for a meeting and, and brought me into the team to, to do A&R for them. So when, you, when you're doing A&R for them right now, the process is, so for example, that, okay, I'm just imagining this, right? So they, sure. are, they are a recording studio that they have, I'm assuming, clients who come to them and say, okay, we need this recorded, produced. It could be, what, commercials or is it just music? Like, what, are, are they specializing in something? Um, we're, I, I mean, we're doing a whole variety of different projects, but essentially um, my job is to find the talent. So, so I spend more time out in the field than I do at the studio, for example. So... I, the way that I do what I do is I tap into my network of contacts that I have met through all my various jobs and school and friends in New York. Um, and I also go out to a lot of shows um, mm -hmm. in and around the city. And really anywhere I go, I try to go to shows. 
Um, so and give I us find an example. I... Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So give us That's a specific okay. example. So for example, uh, maybe like a little latest project you worked on or something that comes to mind that was really cool so that we understand the process. So the recording student gets a project and then they pass it on to you. Sure. And what do you do? And yeah. <laughs> right. So, so as a good example, there's an artist I'm working with. Um, her name is Maddie Jarman. She goes by the name Maylin is her artist name. Um, and about, I guess three years ago, I was working for a company called So Far Sounds that um, is this amazing company that puts on pop-up secret concerts in in living rooms around the world. Um, and there was an artist that I saw play there three years ago in an apartment in Battery Park City downtown. Um, and I, after the show, I loved her. I went up to her and I was like, I, that was amazing. I'd love to take your email and contact information and keep in touch. Maybe there's a way we can sing together or, or, you know, be friends, whatever. And, um, when headroom brought me into the project, you know, the first thing I did was I sat down and I thought through all the people that I know that I could bring into the studio and immediately popped into my head, Maddie. And so three years later, (laughs) Without very much contact in between, I reached out to her and I said, you know, I explained how I had met her, that I had this exciting project that I wanted to bring her in on. Um, and what was the project? Now, what was the exact project? The project was the project um, was recording a cover song of a of a classic um, old pop song. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is now working with us, and we're in the process of recording that song with her and conceiving the project and. Um, and now I'm also working with her, as I said, I do some of this sort of on the side freelance work with artists. So she and I are doing some collaboration on the side as well. Um, but, but that, you know, that's an example of me kind of just tapping into an old contact and bringing them into what I'm doing now. Or as another example, um, I went out to a show last week at, um, Rockwood Music Hall in, on the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. And there was this cool event called the Coffee Music Project. It was like sort of a singer songwriter contest. Um, and I was invited by a friend and I went out sort of to support a couple of artists that I know. And I ended up finding a new artist there. Um, really brand, brand new artist, um, hasn't even record, hasn't even released any content yet, but she had this incredible, beautiful voice. Um, and afterwards I approached her and I, I explained what I do and she's also going to become a part of the project. So I, uh, some of it is kind of my own social networking and some of it is, is going out mm-hmm. and finding raw talent in its kind of rawest form. So um, you, so you are basically the person that every, every, uh, new and upcoming singer or artist wants to be friends with, cause you're basically <laughs> like an agent in a way or sure. you know, you're scouting talent. And so, how, okay. I have two questions here cause this is, sure. this is super interesting. Um, how do you sign like there must be some sort of criteria that you know you go first of all I think you have the best job in the world you go to the like all the (laughs) shows and you meet all these people and you're basically the decision maker whether they make it or not well I mean in in that (laughs) project or studio but you have to like them uh for certain qualities I get the I guess the quality of their singing the personality or something like that so what is your decision criteria when do you know so like you go to a show you see someone and you're like, this is it. You know, a lot of it is really, really instinctual. You know, I, as, as a vocalist, I'm, I am uh, drawn to really amazing vocals. It's hard for me to love a performance if the vocals are not amazing. Um, so I tend to find really strong singers 
who, you know, to me, to me, it's just sort of the general quality of a performance and the stage presence of the person who's giving the performance. Um, you know, a combination of talent and confidence and, uh, comfort on stage and, uh, engagingness with the crowd. Um, but, but really genuinely it comes down to, you know, how, how good they sound. And that's obviously subjective. Everyone has their own tastes. Um, but you know, for me, I look for, you know, great sense of melody, great pitch, great rhythm. Um, and, and, you know, the stronger that a song is, the, the easier it is to like it. So obviously some, uh, something is to be said for, for, uh, the songwriting skill as well. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So then, I mean, you know, let's talk about the, the space. So you, do you do, uh, are you involved only in the rock music space or any kind of music? Every kind of music, every genre, um, and, and my tastes really vary. Um, and I think that that makes me a good A&R person because I don't just like one thing. I like everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) as long as Mm -hmm. it's good. (laughs) So I like all genres. I like everything from, you know, rock to indie to pop to country to hip hop. I mean, I really like it all. Um, and for me, for me, I really, I always say it's much more about the song than it is about the genre. So there can be a great song in any, any genre. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the times I would suppose, you know, like you, you would <clears throat> find this artist and they would start with you guys or, you know, with the projects you're doing, you're helping them and then they would grow. I mean, hopefully, right. Everybody hopes to, yeah. to be like, <laughs> to make it big and to make it, you know, into the world and all that stuff. And so tell us, I have one question about, you know, because the, the artist, like being an artist is, and I, and I've done a bit of reading about it. Well, like, well, my thing is writing and, and I guess like talking mm-hmm. on the podcast and stuff. Um, but, you know, there's this thing about the starving artist and, you know, be, being in the music <laughs> industry from what from what I know. And, and obviously it's a stereotype, but it, it's hard. Like there's so many like struggling artists and, and is there a future there? I mean, I, I would just like, I know there's so many people who are just struggling so much. What would you say? I mean, is there a future and what would you say to those who are kind of loving it so much and, and really wanting to get out there and, and make something of themselves? I would say that there is absolutely a future there. Um, I think that, you know, dedication to the craft has to be number one. Um, you know, the music, I remember <clears throat> when I first started, when I was graduating from college and, and moving into working full time in the industry, everyone was sort of freaking out about the the digital age, you know, the music, the music industry was changing. No one was buying CDs anymore. Everything was crumbling. What was going to happen? You know, no one was going to make any money. Everyone was just sort of panicking. And the truth of the matter is, is people are still making money. People are still listening to music and, and consuming music. It's just, it's just a matter of kind of changing with the times and, and rolling with things. So it used to be that, um, artists made a lot of money selling actual music. <clears throat> now, with all the streaming platforms and all the ways that people can consume music for free, artists make less money um, on selling their songs and more money on things like licensing. So getting, you know, getting their song into a commercial or a movie or a trailer or a TV show. Um, artists can make a whole bundle of money really quickly on things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about for, you know, for an artist, it's about honing the craft, having good, solid, um, content music that's representative of their sound and their talent. 
um, and then finding the right opportunities. I mean, music and a, and a career in music is, is expensive. It is. It's expensive to get photos taken and videos shot and records produced and touring. I mean, it's really expensive. Um, so most of the artists that I know, you know, have what they call a, a survival job, some job that, you know, kind of pays the bills and helps them support their music habit, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. And then, you know, they, as they grow, they get to a point where perhaps they're backed by a label or a management company, or, um, you know, they get some big license or some, some kind of break where they start to, um, make enough to break even. And then hopefully to just um, do that, mm. to do that. Right. To be yeah. able to support themselves. Okay. So it's hard. It's a hard road, but it's, you know, there is still absolutely opportunity there. It's just changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. I see. Cool. And then, so you're, so you're doing all of these things. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know how, how you manage all of it, but I guess, I guess you do. <laughs> so is this like, you know, your, your job with, uh, you know, the commercial music supervision and then the freelance and then, you know, the recordings to the women that rock is this kind of all part-time and you're juggling it all, you know, every day or how, how does that work for you? I mean, I, so I'm juggling it all, all the time, like every moment of the day. And so, so I work full time for PB and J partners, the commercial production company. Um, that sort of is my full time gig. Um, and the other projects I sort of try to, to look at as holistically as I can. So artists that I work with, with a recording studio, I also sometimes do the management consulting for, and I also promote them on women that rock. And there's a lot of synergy there. Um, so it's kind of all one big bucket of artist related music related work that I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky I work from home and I work remotely. So there are positives and negatives to that, of course, as, as with anything, but you know, my schedule is not regular. Sometimes I'm working, you know, at midnight or one o'clock in the morning doing my women that rock work on Instagram. Sometimes I, you know, I'm taking meetings at 11 AM at a coffee shop. Sometimes I'm working from an airplane, like it's, I'm, I'm all over the place kind of, but <laughs> it suits, it suits me better than it suit, than it suited me to sit at a desk. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, when I, I, I've had that experience and I didn't like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I felt very trapped. I like that I can work from anywhere I am. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it requires a lot of juggling, but, but that's sort of mm -hmm. always what I've been, um, always what I've leaned towards. And then are you, are you able to uh, make good money with it? Like, are you feeling comfortable? in terms of the financial side of things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely feel comfortable. I, um, I think this ties back to the success question, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel very successful. I feel like I'm doing a, a great job. I see the things that I'm working on growing um, every single day. Of, you know, but of course, there, I would like more success. I would like <laughs> more, you know, all of those things. I think there's sort of is like a, a sliding scale of growth that I you know, I'm, I'm working towards and working to, to find way, find creative ways to monetize all of right. my business endeavors, um, in ways that make sense for me and for the fan and for the artist and mm -hmm. really everybody. So basically you're getting a, well, I, I would suppose a salary from your full-time job and then yes. the gigs that you're bringing into the recording studios, I'm assuming you get some sort of a pay cut or something like that. If the project or you're bringing in an artist and then you would get you know, from your freelance work, the stuff that you're doing for artists and management and marketing and all of that, they would, they would bring you in some 
I guess, flexible income, so to say. And then, of course, the Instagram, you're not making any money of it yet, <laughs> but there is a plan. Is that kind of how you're, you're juggling the financial side? Yeah, um, I, I do get a salary from the full-time job. Um, and like you said, there's sort of is sort of a, a, a profit sharing structure that I have with all of my other endeavors. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's fees for things, whether that's, you know, a percentage of sales, whatever, you know, whatever that ends up being on the back end, it sort of changes deal by deal um, with different projects. And, and with women that rock, like I said, really, that that is honestly something that started a, about a month ago. So it's really, really brand new. It's it's my baby business. Um, but I have all kinds of plans for, um, you know, because the demand is there. When I started Women That Rock, I had no idea whether anyone was even going to be home. Like I had no idea. I just started posting things thinking like, this will be fun. I like, you know, supporting women. I'm into music. This would be great. Um, and now I have an inbox of hundreds of women who want to be featured, who want to be considered, who are inviting me to their shows and sending me their merch and wanting to meet for coffee. And, you know, it's kind of has exploded a little bit. And so obviously the demand is there. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I feel like I have to respond to that demand. And so I'm, I'm in the process of figuring out um, a website. Yeah. And it all makes sense. I mean, women that rock. So for everyone listening, uh, you can go to women that rock on Instagram and check it out. Andy's doing an amazing job there. And it kind of makes sense with what you're doing now. You know, now that I talked to you for an hour about it, <laughs> I understand how well it fits into actually what you're doing because you have such a exactly. big network of contacts and, you know, you're doing A&R and you're involved in the music industry and you're going to all these shows. So it's kind of, you know, managing that Instagram account and featuring all these women obviously makes sense and as you said everybody wants to be featured and in the future i mean so what's the big i mean do you have a big plan or like you you kind of figuring it out like i'm assuming you want to monetize this at some point do you want to open maybe an agency of some sort i don't know what do you what is the plan you know i'm still sort of trying to figure that out and figure out whether you know women that rock is going to be a standalone business or whether it's going to somehow roll into some of the other things that i'm i'm pursuing um but yeah i mean i sort of have an immediate plan. The immediate plan is, you know, website, graphic design. I'm, I'm working with a whole number of uh, amazing illustrators to help me put together some graphics and logos and posters and, you know, cool graphic things. Um, and then I'm already thinking towards women that rock events, you know, music showcases Ooh. and parties and um, like networking that. things and panels and bringing in interesting women from different parts of the music industry to interface with artists and give them some access to people who are working in the industry who might be able to help them and listening circles and all, you know, all kinds of different fun, exciting opportunities to help, you know, bring women that rock sort of to life in a, in a, in a real way, not just a social media way. And then, you know, I'm already thinking down the line towards potentially a big music festival five years from now. (laughs) Um, And, and thinking that there are potentially ways to monetize in, in creating live events and live engagement. Um, and we'll see, I mean, you know, as, as one door opens, <laughs> another door comes into view. So, right, right, so right. I'm figuring it out. It's sort of is a one day at a time, kind of a, kind of a thing at the mm-hmm. moment, but, but it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what you managed to bring to life and, you know, with, with like an Instagram account, it can start with just an Instagram account and it could grow into something so big and, you know, and obviously you're loving it. So, 
before we close this this up and go to the tools and resources section, and I'm really sure. curious about what you have to to share with us for your tools and resources. Um, I guess my last question would be for you: uh, music. Uh, why music? Why do you love it so much? And why why are you in this industry? <laughs> I mean, you know, for, for me, like I said, I, I was born singing and I started singing when I was, you know, a, a little, little, little child. So it's like saying to someone, you know, why water? Why air? Like, I, I think of music as like a fundamental human experience. Um, it's nothing, nothing else in the world makes me feel the way that music makes me feel. Um, you know, a good song, a good voice, a good line, like I get chilled all over and it, it really is sort of a spiritual experience. Um, so the fact that I get to, that I've, I've found a way to make a job out of that, you know, I mean, some people feel that way about art. Some people feel that way about food. Some people, you know, everyone has their thing kind of, but for me, it's always music. It's, you know, I'm always singing and some random stranger is, you know, noticing that I'm singing in the middle of the street or in the, in a cab or like, you know, I'm, I've always been the one sort of like humming under, under the, (laughs) whatever else is going on. And it just is, it's my fate, my very favorite thing. Mm. So I, you know, I'm very lucky to sort of have to, to be in the process of finding a way to make my life as much about music as possible. And it's interesting because, you know, so much about working in social media is counter like is sort of uh counterintuitive as far as um music because it's so visual and it's so much about words and it's hard sometimes to really take the time to listen so like when i'm reviewing these women when i'm listening to the music i'm really trying to take the time to like put the phone down and close my eyes and listen to the music which is really helpful for me. Um, and it reminds, you know, every time I see a good show, every time I hear a good song, it reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, tremendous. Yeah. I think what you said is, 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 is really powerful because for me, you know, these digital devices and everything and social media, you, you're right. I mean, music is something that, well, is either listened to and, and, uh, usually music is like, I love live music. I think I, yeah. I miss it so much in my life because of the, all the digital, you know, and, and even like listening to music in your headphones is one thing, but it's another thing when you hear the instruments and, you know, you're at a concert and I just feel like we kind of a little bit lost touch with it, I guess, or maybe yeah. it's just my lifestyle and me traveling all over the place, but and not living in a big city. Like I miss that about a big city right. that you can go to all these shows and theater and just this creative thing. But still, I think no matter what you're, you're like, you know, with all the digital devices, we've been a little bit disconnected and exactly what you said instead of just putting on a record or so you know recently i've been at a friend's right. house and she has the, the 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 box that how do you call them you know the old style kind of um this big record records yeah yeah right. uh-huh. and it was such a cool experience i was like wow you know this is this is this is really great and yeah i feel like we've been just like disconnected from it and it's it's hard to get back to it but i but i but i think you know, with, with women like you and with the projects that you're doing. And I, I've, I'm really passionate actually about going offline 
for these kind of experiences, right. for festivals, for concerts or for gatherings. Yeah. And, and I feel like we kind of, you know, we moved from that into the digital age and then there is kind of an uprising. At least I feel it inside of me. I'm like, I just want to be away from my phone for right. a couple of a couple of hours a day at least, you know? I know, so, I know. Just like a little phone break, I know. Yeah. But, but the nice the nice thing about music is even if you've sort of been away from it for a long time, like it's always there and there's mm-hmm. always something new and there's always, you know, creative, amazing artists doing things that are amazing. And it's just, it's staggering how much there is out there. Um, and yeah. it's just, you know, this giant sea of amazing content. <laughs> love it. Love your perspective. Uh, well, okay, let's get into the tools and resources section. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. <laughs> yeah. So, and you do have some kind of a morning routine? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is actually something I'm, I'm teased for um, <laughs> a little bit. I am like, I have to go out for coffee in the morning. I have to. Everyone in my life says, why don't you make coffee at home? You'd save so much money, blah, blah, blah. I have to go out in the morning for my coffee. So I wake up and I like, you know stretch and sort of like just wake up a little bit and my first thing I want to do before I do anything else is go out to like a local cafe and get coffee and you know I think that the reason for that really comes down to you know I work from home so I home or wherever so I'm often sort of um I don't have I'm not seeing coworkers every day I'm not necessarily in a situation that's particularly social all the time um and in the mornings I it's really my favorite thing to sort of just get out of the house for a few minutes, take a walk, be outside, get a sense of the temperature and the air and the way it smells and just sort of be in the world. And then also the ways in which going out and getting coffee is like a, is a social interaction. It's like, I always have, yeah, it's a rich and and I have my favorite baristas and, and I'm, I'm a, a very like outgoing person. So for me, I feed off of the energy of other people. So going out and like even just having like a little good morning conversation with whoever or seeing people and what and seeing what other people are doing and wearing and you know listening to and all of those things it's kind of it just feeds me and like starts my day really well. And then of course, you know, checking emails immediately and being on Instagram immediately and sort of just like dive diving right into the day. <laughs> Love. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Actually, I can't work from home. I actually don't work from home. That's why for me, it's mm. important. And I work online. And, and for right. me, I'm an extrovert and I feed off the energy of the place. I'm surrounded of the people and the plants and like whatever. So I have to get out. Um, right. Not, not immediately. Like I can't get up and just go. <laughs> and I made my yeah. coffee at home. I started making my coffee at home. Um, but I get my tumbler and, you know, I get to the co-working space. I drive my bike cause I'm in Bali right now. Wow. I drive my bike and then I get to the co-working space and I just feed off that energy. That's what, you know, makes me kind of happy and productive. And I love working with designers around and looking at their cool stuff that they're doing. So I, I yeah. can absolutely understand what you're saying. And I can just imagine you, you know, getting out, you're in Brooklyn, you know, everybody's waking up, <laughs> like you go into your little cafe. If I'm ever All in New York, yeah. I'd love, I'd love for you to take Take me to that, <laughs> to oh, that yeah, cafe. So yeah. All of right, course. cool. Awesome. Uh, let's go into your top apps or programs that, you know, really help you stay productive and, and happy, basically efficient. Sure. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Google Drive. Um, 
I, I thrive off of lists <laughs> and organizing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just a sucker for sheets, Google sheets. Um, and it's really my best way to sort of manage all of the various businesses that I'm involved in. I can have sort of like a one hub where I have all of these presentations and lists and I'm constantly in my Google sheets updating things. Um, so that is kind of like an essential, I, I don't know how really how I would live without that, which is, you know, I'm clearly too dependent on Google. <laughs> um, you know, obviously Instagram is, is sort of my, it's becoming my livelihood and it's also my favorite of the social media, uh, platforms. I prefer it to every other social media platform. I like the visual aspect. I like the fact that the copy is short. I like the fact that it's not a place for people to just rant endlessly about their feelings. Yeah. Um, so Instagram is, is, you know, an app that I'm constantly on constantly, um, and, and constantly working with. Um, and, you know, as a creative tool, I also have become really, uh, it really into Pinterest, um, as a business tool, in fact. So for example, right now with, um, with women that rock, I'm working with a bunch of, um, illustrators and graphic designers to help me put together visuals for the site. And, you know, I find that the best way for me to communicate to them what I like, what I want, um, and to understand myself really what the aesthetic is, what the color is, what the texture is. Um, I put together galleries on Pinterest of, th of things that I gravitate towards and it really creates like a language for me, um, a visual language to work with other people and be able to show them what I like. So I, I've been using that tool quite a lot lately. Hmm. I love it. Yeah, Pinterest is one of my favorite things as well. So, okay, cool. Uh, let's get into your, you know, some of the people you follow or like blogs or websites you read that maybe you, you get inspired by or you just feel like, you know, they, you just love what they're doing or. Follow. Yeah. So, so, you know, for me, a lot of that lives in the music world. Um, and my two current favorites are um, the wild honey pie, which is, a, a sort of music curation blog site. Um, they have music news, album reviews, something they call buzz sessions, which are these um, like intimate record live recording of up and coming artists um, doing their songs in, in either like a home setting or a studio setting. Um, and they also host a bunch of events and I just, I like what they're doing. I love the way their site looks. It's beautiful and really well branded um, and the content is great. So I'm, I'm often sort of looking to the wild honey pie for ideas and inspiration. And then there's, there's a women's magazine. Um, I don't, I don't read it in its paper form, but I, I check it out online, which is, um, she shreds like shreds on a guitar. Um, yeah. and it's, it's not, it's not unlike women that rock, but it's, it's a print magazine that features women who like female guitarists. Um, and it, it's a really, really well edited, re well curated site. Um, I find a lot of really interesting artists on there. Um, and for me, it's, it's so much about like finding, you know, finding a resource to then look for other artists and then just listening to their music. So I, I, you know, fall down sort of Instagram rabbit holes of <laughs> artist, 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 artist. And then suddenly I'm like 12 artists deep through clicking through other pages and then I'm like listening Steve. listening to like some obscure song from somebody living in Poland like I don't know you know it's just it's just insane and, and that's what's so cool and great about 
you know, current social media is you have access to so much material. Um, so I use sites like wild honey pie and she shreds as kind of like gatekeepers to help me, get, help me have a good starting place. All right. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah. so the last part about, of, of this section is, uh, can you recommend us some of your favorite books that you've read, yeah. about, you know, music or life or fiction, whatever comes to mind? Sure. Um, so my all time favorite book series, um, about the music industry is called, um, this business of music. And it's by an author called, um, Donald Passman. And he has released, like, I think there's like 10 or 12 of them. There's a ton and they, they, he comes out with new ones all the time as the industry changes. And it was actually a book that I was required to read for a college course many, many, many years ago. And I found it to be just like the best of, of all of the music industry texts that I've read. That's really the best one. Um, from like a fictional perspective, there's um, my favorite book of all time is uh, Written on the Body by an author um, called Jeanette Winterson. And it's, it's this sort of um, experimental uh, poetic love story that is genderless. So it's a really interesting it's it's a novel, but it it's kind of more experimental than that, and it tells it tells a love story without the reader knowing the gender of either of the people in the relationship, and mm. it's this really interesting way of look you know looking at a love story without knowing who's the man, who's the woman, if there is a man, if there is a you know you just don't really know. That's um, really it's really really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I also have found you know I also. Um, I have delved in and out of being interested in various kind of spiritual spaces. And sometimes I've done some reading around um, Kabbalah and I don't, I'm not, I don't follow what is, Kabbalah. What I, is, what or who is Kabbalah? <laughs> <laughs> Kabbalah became popular. I think Madonna made Kabbalah popular. It's, it's this sort of like tre trendy spiritual movement um, that was born out of, LA, I guess, in like the early 2000s. Um, and it's, it's based in ancient Jewish um, texts, actually. But it's sort of is this, this approach to spirituality and religion um, that, I, so I grew up in a very non-religious household. So um, I didn't go to church, I didn't go to temple, I didn't pray, I didn't do any of that. So for me, traditional religions, like don't totally work for me. Um, but Kabbalah talks a lot about energy and positivity and negativity and, and transference of energy and like sort of helps you have a framework through which to think about life um, in, in terms of more, more about energies than about a God exactly. Um, and so I've done some interesting reading. Um, there's a book called The Way by Michael Berg, which um, is like a, it's a book about Kabbalah kind of. And, and while I don't follow it, I it opened my mind definitely. Um, mm -hmm. so I, you know, if for anyone who's kind of on like a spiritual, um, path, just learn more. I think that that's an interesting, an interesting read. Wow. Cool. Yeah. This is something I've never heard about. So I'm just going to really check it out. Awesome. Well, for all the listeners out there, we're going to have all the, the links to all the tools and resources Andy just mentioned, uh, which you can download and subscribe. So I'm going to tell you about it in a second, but you could download them on the show notes or, you know, if there is a direct link, I'll mention it at the end of the interview. Uh, all right, uh, Andy, last question of the show. 
What would you okay. like? <laughs> what would you like to be written on your tombstone? Oh, what a what a negative place to end! Oh my God, but why is it negative? Down, that's ready? not no, that's not negative. <laughs> that's really about celebrating life and and you know thinking about how would you like to be remembered. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Well, my, answer negative. Is, my answer is I don't want I don't want to be buried. <laughs> so okay. I don't plan to have a tombstone. Okay, um, but, but if you if did, I, if I were to have a tombstone, <laughs> yeah. I would want it to say, I would want it to say, "Shit happens." For me, my life is a, my life is very much about, you know, the present and what I'm doing here and who I'm loving here and the impact I'm making and, you know, once I'm gone, I'm gone. <laughs> so that's, that's just shit happens. <laughs> yeah, shit happens. Okay. No, well, I mean, you know, of course, we all wonder about, you know what else there is and yeah you know I, I would like to think I'm somewhere else not reading my tombstone yeah okay <laughs> all right that's a, that's an interesting perspective awesome well Andy I want to thank you so much for coming here and and you know sharing your well just sharing your journey with us your knowledge and wisdom obviously about the music industry and your journey towards it and you know we had a chat about bisexuality and and all of that so i really really want to thank you for all the tools and resources everything you shared with us i'm sure like i found it fascinating talking to you and learning all of this new stuff and i'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well and so for for everyone out there who wants to know more about what you're doing uh, you know, maybe there are some artists listening right now. Yes. Um, Any yeah. artist, anybody who knows an artist, send them to Women That Rock on Instagram. Yeah. So tell us. Uh, okay. So it's Women That Rock on Instagram. It's, it's at Women That Rock on Instagram. And you can direct message us. You can comment to us. You can send us things. There's all, We also have um, a, an email account, which is thewomenthatrock at gmail.com. So you can also always send artist referrals ideas music you love um there as well and mm -hmm. we'd love to hear from anyone well thank you so much uh, thank you, you have, so much <laughs> you have a wonderful evening in new york and thank I'll you you soon. have a wonderful morning yeah in, where are you again bali 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 <laughs> i should come to i should come work remotely with you you should you should let me know when you're ready <laughs> and i'll i'll be here i'll be here girl okay <laughs> thank you right, so thank much you. thank you thank all right, so that's it for this episode with Andy Arono. I hope you enjoyed it and took some valuable lessons from it. And if you did, I'd like to ask for a favor to give back and charge your karmic energy by sharing this episode with a girlfriend who is probably or maybe in the music industry or is thinking uh, of going into one and enjoys the business side of things. Or maybe she's an artist or and looking for more ways to be known and get more gigs. As you know, Andy is doing that initiative Women That Rock and she if you're an artist, she can connect you with different projects and, and things. So if, or if your girlfriend is an artist, so share that with your girlfriend and you can send her straight to girlskill.com forward slash 15 and, or share it from your podcasting app on Apple Podcasts or uh, from your Android. And if you haven't managed to take note of all the tools and resources Angie shared with us, no worries. You can uh, get them in a really nicely designed PDF at girlskill.com slash 15 download girlskill.com slash 15 download and that's it for this episode and I'll see you on the next one bye
Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. GirlSkill.com. Female success redefined.